Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben Jarowski Show. As I speak, it is Friday, September 10th, 2021. Uh, the headline in the newspaper, where's the headline in the newspaper? Oh, there's a new candidate running for governor of the state of Illinois, a Republican. Uh, his name is uh, Jesse Sullivan, and he's promising to do what he can to keep people from leaving Illinois. I'm not talking about the gubernatorial race, uh, Illinois, in my next conversation. I'm not talking about this young gentleman who's running for governor as a Republican, uh, Jesse Sullivan. But we probably will hit on the issue of changes in Illinois, most particularly changes in Chicago and the Chicago area. And, and there's some political talk that will emerge from that because that notion that somehow or other Illinois uh, is losing population at a tremendous rate, uh, and it's the result of this political party or that political party or this uh, politician or that politician uh, is sort of a chief uh, rhetorical point that Republicans in particular love to make. And you'll hear Democrats talk about it in the city of Chicago. So without further ado, I will ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself so we can get started with the conversation. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hi, Ben. This is Rob Perrell. Happy to be here. And Rob Perrell, he's a little modest. He won't go on and say who well, Rob Perrell is. Name, yeah. Ben, I, my name is Rob Perrell. I, um, I, I, I love Chicago demographics and I crunch numbers for a living. And I'm affiliated with a couple of um, think tanky places in town with the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. And I'm also with the uh, Great Cities Institute at the University of Illinois at Chicago, my alma mater, and um, uh, one of the great universities in the United States. And so um, how's that for going on? That's pretty good. That's very I good. I could go and back to high school we, and earlier if you'd like. <laughs> he grew up in Cicero, ladies and gentlemen. I went to the uh, I went to UCLA for high school, the University of Cicero, located on Austin. But, <laughs> uh, that's being glib. Wait, wait, time out. Isn't uh let me see if I could do this. Morton East is the high school for Cicero. Am I correct about that, young uh, Rob? Uh, that's correct. Uh, there's a unified there's a district that has Morton East for Cicero and Morton West for Berwyn, Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. And uh one of the largest high schools in the state of Illinois, along with Lane Tech High School, but Morton East has, uh, you know, probably 4,000 kids or something. 
Yeah. All right. Well, uh, and uh, Rob is, I boil it down his credentials. I call him a demographer. I'm not, I'm not even sure he likes being called a demographer, but whenever I talk about, oh, we're going to have Rob on the show, demographer Rob. Uh, and uh, I, I turn to Rob from time to time when I'm uh, trying to figure out a story about the, uh, the changing neighborhoods, the changing populations in the city of Chicago and what it means. What if there's some greater trends at play? Uh, so the, the 2020 census just came out or so, at least portions of it and, and articles in the newspapers. So Rob, why don't you just give us just like a, a general sense of what you think, uh, the 2020 census says about population changes in the city of Chicago. Let's start with Chicago. Well, you know, there, there's actually a lot to say about the census. The census is a very cool thing. and It's not just me that thinks that. Uh, so we, we do a census every 10 years because of the constitution. We just started to roll out the data in Illinois. And, um, you know, where do I begin with that? You, you, you mentioned there's a new candidate for governor who wants to stop the loss of population in Illinois. Uh, actually, that candidate needs to work only on the loss of population in downstate Illinois uh, because uh, that's what's losing population. Uh, the, you know, there's an idea that Chicago is the cause of population decline and the Cook County, et cetera, but it's, it's actually the opposite. Um, Chicago grew uh, very slowly. I mean, it didn't grow like Houston or some other places, but Chicago grew, and uh, so did Cook County. Even suburban Cook County added people in this last census, so 80,000 or something like that. And when you look at all the counties around Chicago, around Cook County, uh, with the exception of DeKalb, every county uh, that's a collar county grew um, in this last census, even slowly. Okay, I'm not saying it's, you know, gangbusters uh, uh, kind of growth. It's not. So the, the real population loss, the driver of loss in uh, Illinois is a downstate. It's outside the metro area. And, and actually, I'll just add one more thing on that. We could go on this for a while. But yeah, what Chicago area for a long time has buoyed those numbers because the, and when I say buoy, like a buoy in the ocean, you know, it's just that uh, the, the downstate rural counties in Illinois, as rural counties have been in other parts of the Midwest, they've been losing population for a long time. But it always gets kind of it was it was hidden it was covered up by the fact that you had growth in the in the metro area, uh, no one kind of talked about it. But but now because the metro area is growing kind of very slowly, it really highlights the fact that uh, you, know, you name a county downstate, uh, St. Clair, Sangamon, uh, Madison, you know they're, they're really a losing population. So anyway, that's one of the the big picture. Uh, 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 findings for Illinois uh, was just, uh, you know, how, how it's really the, the downstate is losing population a lot more than uh, the Chicago area. Uh, when Before we leave uh, downstate behind, let, do, you, do you have any sense of where the people who are leaving downstate uh, counties like St. Clair and Sangamon, where, where they're going? Yeah. Yeah, we do. You know, I did a study with my colleague Jim Lewis um, for the Metropolitan Planning Council on where people move to when they leave uh, Cook County. We focused on Cook County, but we did look at the rest of the state too. And I'm, I'm gonna give you the big thumbnail uh, sketch here. When white people leave Illinois, okay? Uh, in terms of states, they tend to go to uh, Florida and Texas. In terms of um, metropolitan areas, they go to Denver. And, and in fact, since I first uncovered that data, my ear burns more and more with hearing people that um, are, are moving to De moving to Denver area. There's just a real real a flow, which uh, is kind of new. I mean, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, Illinoisans were not moving to Colorado like they are now. Um, so th those are the destinations for white people. When African Americans leave Illinois, asking about people leaving Illinois, um, 
African Americans, their primary destination is Indiana. It's a, it's a very different thing going on. Blacks leave Chicago for the Indiana suburbs in the northern Indiana. Um, so uh, so who who leaves Illinois and where they go when they leave uh, kind of depends on what group you're looking at. All right. Now, let's just for a moment, let's just try to figure out something. What's going on here? Let's start with the white people first. Texas, Florida, Denver. I'm looking for a pattern. And uh, instead of me stumbling through my mind to try to find a pattern, I'm going to turn it over to you, the expert. What's the pattern? Is there one? Well, I don't know if I have all that pattern. What, the pattern. Some of the pattern is aging people retiring to Southern states. That's, that's part of the pattern. And, um, you know, where do you retire when you uh, want to leave? You go south. Uh, where do you go where you can live on your um, uh, police department or, or city pension or your teacher's pension? You know, you go set up in, in Texas or somewhere where housing is a lot, a lot lower uh, cost. So, um, um, uh, yeah, that's why people are going to those places. Why would you go to New York City? Uh, you know, people are going south and west. Uh, California is not the destination it used to be. Uh, housing costs are, you know, certainly not for a retiree the place to go. Uh, I uh, we have a joke on the show that we do all the time uh, in, in reference to Chicago's the head of the Fraternal Order Police of Chicago. I don't know if you follow these things, uh, Rob, but his name is John Catanzara. He's like Donald Trump's biggest, I'm yeah, familiar. biggest flag waver in the city of Chicago. We always joke, uh, John. What are you wasting your time in Chicago for? You would be huge in Florida. Go to Florida. You'd be like governor of the state of Florida. And uh, when you told me those trends, that's what I thought. I thought, in, I always think in political terms, which is probably, I don't know how uh, accurate that is when you're dealing with demographics, but in political terms, what it tells me is that uh, conservative voters, by and large, are leaving Illinois and going to states like Florida and Texas where they're joining other conservative voters uh, and fortifying the power of Republicans. This is something I popped into my head when you said that. I have absolutely no idea if it's true. What's your sense of how true uh, what I just said is? Well, actually, let's, I, I want to hear your gut reaction to this, too. Let's take the state of Florida, which used to be more Democratic and used to vote more Democratic. Its population growth has come largely, not exclusively, but from northerners moving there. And, you know, so it's, it's so either the northerners move to Florida and move from being Democrats to Republicans. I guess that's one possibility. Or the people who select themselves to leave Illinois and go to Florida are uh, re Republicans to begin with. Uh, you know, I, and I kind of I think, think it's the latter. latter. I, I, um, I, th I think it's, it's the Lola. What else explains Florida moving so far to yeah. the right? You know? Florida's lost its freaking mind, which is why I think uh, this is me speaking, uh, not Rob. The uh, cat and zero would be huge there. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe the people that go there are already uh, Republican. Uh, maybe there's a change that people go through as they get older and more conservative and cautious and fearful about life in general. And they, you know, they run to the shelter of Mother's Little Helper, which is the Republican Party in this case. I don't know. I'm just searching for theories. Uh, I do know that the rhetoric that's been employed by Republican politicians in the state of Illinois for the last, I would say, well, six years, seven years, ever since Bruce Rauner uh, be, uh, announced he was running for a... By the way, he lives in Florida now. I don't know if you know that. The former governor of Illinois, who was defeated in Illinois, has moved to Florida. Citizen Rauner is in Florida. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but the rhetoric is... 
it's a little hard to square that kind of thing when someone uh, runs runs for office and says how much they love an area, and then the minute they're out of office, they they move. Well, you just it's kind of a version of I got to spend more time with my family kind of a thing. Which you know, when you hear it, you kind of go, well, okay, but then let's watch what you do. So it, it seems like I'll tell you how you square it. You never loved Illinois to begin with. That's how you square it. And it's just reversed. The young gentleman that I alluded to when we began the show, uh, Jesse Sullivan, who I know you've never heard of, there's no reason for you to have heard of him. I never heard of him until he announced he was running for governor. So don't feel bad that you never heard of him. Uh, he was grew up in a town outside of Springfield, uh, Illinois, and he epitomizes exactly what you were just talking. He left Illinois as soon as he could. He went to Stanford, wound up in uh, California running a tech company. Uh, uh, a venture capitalist uh, companies made a oh, fortune, no. and now right. we know <laughs> no, the story. He's... Made a fortune, That's and now it. he's coming. going to disrupt. We're going to disrupt the world now in politics. Now he's like, I'm coming back. We're, we're going to we're going to bring that mentality to yeah. politics. Yeah, that's right. Just like they applied that uh, that uh, uh, Silicon Valley mentality to yes. education. Uh, you know, we're yes. going to disrupt it. Disrupt it. Uh, See gonna, what happens. Yeah. Okay, yes. we know where this is going. So uh, he he jumped in, and he pr- he probably doesn't stand a chance under an ordinary, ordinary circumstances. Nobody's ever heard of him, but <laughs> uh, he's already raised eleven million dollars, uh, which is a, a fortune in the Republican primary. He's up against Pritzker, of course, as a billionaire, but it's a fortune in the Republican. Well, let me just ask you this: I know I actually know almost nothing about current politics, but let me ask you this: Won't Adam Kinziger have to run for um, okay. governor? Given that he'll be redistricted, out we of are seat. straying from. I will allow, allow the straying to. St- but that's a yes. political. But that, that's from the population. The, the, we've lost a congressional district. The Democrats control redistricting in Illinois. They're not going to be kind to a suburban Republican. So who's on the chopping block? Well, there's two uh, paths that he could follow, uh, Adam Kinzinger, and we will get back to the de- uh, demographic conversation a little bit. But I cannot resist this so there's two there's it's two paths related. he can follow one uh he he can as you suggested run for a higher office a statewide office which would be very difficult for him because despite the fact that he's earned this uh reputation as being one of the few republicans in the country willing to stand up to donald trump liz cheney being the other he's earned this reputation he still is far to the right on almost every single issue and illinois is still very much a liberal state overall so for instance he's uh, very much against abortion, which is going to be a very powerful issue in the 2022 elections, as you know, because of the Texas ruling. And so every, this this kid Sullivan who just announced is going to face the same problem. He's already ducking and dodging on this issue. He goes, well, you know, I'm against abortion, but, you know, I, I think I'll just let the law be what the law is. I'm like, well, what does that mean? The law is forever changing. It could be, you know, so uh, it's going to be really hard yeah. for Kinsinger uh, to deal with that issue. I think he may just take a look at uh, what the Republican district will be because what the Democrats are going to do is gerrymander the hell out of the map and put all the Republicans or as many Republicans as they can in one super Republican district. And then his theory is would be that as the one non-Trump supporter in a field filled with MAGA, he could win a primary because the MAGA vote wow. will be split. So my guess is oh, because it's splitting. It's not because there's not a lot of MAGA voters. It's because the MAGA voters are absolutely split. yes. Uh, MAGA controls the Republican Party uh, and Trump controls MAGA. And so if you stuff uh, 10 MAGAites into yeah. one c- congressional race, the non-MAGAite would get 
the consolidated non-MAGA Republican vote, which is probably 20% at least, you know? So, uh, exactly. So anyway, that, uh, my guess is history. You know, winning like this guy's going to win California governorship with 10% of the votes. Yes. Yeah. Larry okay. Elder. Okay. Let's, let's stay away from California. All right. So that's. Okay. So census, we've talked about, you talked about the state. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was going to say, we talked about the state. We could talk a little bit more about Chicago. Like what are we, what are we, so what's the census telling us about Chicago? And, um, um, you know, I've been thinking, what are some of the big questions we need to ask ourselves about Chicago? What, what kind of city do we want to be? Does the census tell us whether we're becoming that kind of city or not? So here's what some of the things the census told us about Chicago. Um, in terms of groups, uh, so, some Latino growth, not as much as there used to be, but Latino growth. African-American decline, not as much as there used to be, uh, but still decline. Um, kind of overall, just kind of almost fiddling around the edges, to be frank, in terms of population numbers. A little, little bit of growth here, a little bit of decline here. Um, and then some white uh, growth. So, so really, the city, in its, in its raw numbers, hasn't changed very much at all in its, in its percentages, right? But where it really does change is that when you look beyond the big aggregate numbers, that where do people live and, and who are those people? And so, for example... One of the great um, findings of the census, although we've had indications of this for a while, is just how much uh, population growth along the lakefront just keeps going. And that happened even though we did a census during the pandemic and stuff like that. And, and my favorite little topic, I think I've talked to you about this, but is that you know for a long time there have been in these indications that we're going to have a belt of uh, white population and prosper prosperous population stretching from the Loop to uh, Hyde Park. And, and in, indeed, indeed, the census is showing growth in Oakland and, and um, you know, the areas. So, so the big winner of the, of the census in Chicago, in a way, uh, Ben, was the lakefront. Uh, the, the lakefront people and the lakefront population. And, you know, in a way, this is an old story in Chicago. Downtown has been winning for a long time. But and I, I hate to say it, it's, it's, it just keeps going. And, and when you look at who, who we're talking about, we're talking about, you know, the more educated elites, uh, people with uh, higher paying jobs, a largely white population. That's who's consolidating and growing along the lakefront. So, uh, so if we want our city, if, if one of our goals for our city is more equitable and, you know, more balanced, you know, unfortunately, some of the, the demographic trends are running the wrong way. Well, I would argue, uh, and we're heading into politics, that that though maybe the stated goal, uh, nobody in power has ever followed uh, the, that goal, and that the, in actuality, uh, the, the intent of almost every single economic development initiative, significant economic development initiative and planning strategy going back to 1973 was to create exactly what you described, uh, a uh, largely white, uh, predominantly upper class or solidly middle class, I should say, uh, neighborhood stretching f in all directions from the center of the loop. That was the plan that Mayor Daley, uh, the original Mayor Daley, created in 1973. Baby Daley. Yeah, well, it's working. It is what it is. What's been happening? Yeah, it's been working. It's been really working. So, uh, and it and it is what uh, you don't want to exaggerate. It's not like it's down to South Chicago yet, but that is the trend. So we're becoming even before we look at economic data from uh, surveys, we're, 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 we're going the wrong way with disparity. You know, we're, uh, we're accumulating more people who have a lot of money than everyone else. And, uh, we're, uh, and, and the population that's uh, African-American and Latino, generally speaking, lower income, you know, push, being pushed south and west in the city. The average uh, black census tract uh, today 
uh, is farther from the loop than it's been in decades. Uh, so the black population is, especially lower incomes, uh, uh, the distance is quite far from downtown. It's even far from uh, networks of transportation and things like that. Uh, that's what's happened with the uh, lower income black population, uh, and which is just kind of part and parcel of this reshuffling we're talking about um, uh, or concentration of you know wealth along the lakefront. Um, that could you go into yeah, that a little I, more? There's so much. There's so much to yeah, say. That that yeah. uh, observation is one I'd never uh, heard before, or never really concentrated on. So tell me about that. You're saying that uh, the distance between where black people currently live and the center of the city is greater yep. now than it's ever been. Where, yeah, for African-American low-income people, the, the, the census tracks where low-income blacks live, 30% of African-Americans are in poverty, um, are farther now than it has been in decades away from City Hall. Um, you know, because you, you're moving down to Roseland, you're being pushed out to uh, West Englewood or further Southwest. Uh, you're being pushed out to, uh, you know, away from, if you're African-American, communities being pushed out of um, um, uh, the near West Side areas uh, to further West. So that's, the, yeah, there's a migration away from uh, all, away, I hate to say it, away from all the goodies, away from all the, um, the development and the skyscrapers and stuff like that. Yeah, well, definitely going on. Let, let me just take, make a point here. I have to make this and get your response, whatever it will be. The utter cynicism of the city's leaders, its politicians, uh, in both parties, but I'm really thinking Republicans right now, Rob. Just follow me on this. For the last, as I said, seven or so years, Republicans have been saying uh, this People are leaving Illinois. These policies are forcing people out. Damn these Democrats. Uh, and in reality, they probably are wholeheartedly supporting every single one of the uh, development initiatives that have had the goal that they intended to have, which is to move poor people further away uh, from the Concentration the of, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Segregation. Yeah. That's right. Let's just pause. Well, yeah, here's a, you know, along those lines, I'm, I'm, yeah, let's, let's all pause for a moment and fold our hands on our lap and think about that. And, and, but, and here's another indication of uh, just how much that keeps going is how many large-scale housing developments are going on right now in Chicago that are geared towards the upper-income population? And I, I'm not keeping up with them very well because uh, there's been more you know, beyond the 78 and, and, uh, and um, stuff like that. So that's not really slowing down. The, the people who feel they can make a buck on that kind of housing, and they're probably right, um, you know, they're expecting more of that um, uh, uh, segregated uh, upper-class development. Wow. Uh, yeah, the other one that you were probably trying to think of, uh, but you put it out of your mind, is called Lincoln Yards. Uh, two massively yeah. funded, publicly funded, I should say, developments in already gentrifying areas, uh, which will just exacerbate the, the uh, demographic trends. Uh, that have already occurred. And, and, and Rob, I would have a greater respect, not that it matters. They don't want my respect, but I would have a greater respect for the policymakers of the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois, if they just open about it, if they just openly said what they were intending to do, except, and this is me getting my high horse. You don't have to agree with me. What they do is every time they approve any kind of a grant uh, or loan for any small business in Austin, they have a press conference, they clip a ribbon, <laughs> they make it seem like the entire machinery of the city of Chicago is 
dedicated to promoting businesses in Austin. And meanwhile, as you say, billions are going into subsidizing the further gentrification of an already gentrifying area. Just wanted to point. Yeah, that out. it's like a it's like a drop in the ocean compared to what's exactly. going on a few miles to the east. Uh, yeah, that's right. So. Uh, one of the things uh, that I've I've noticed uh, is just the early census. They do when you you talked about it in terms of just straight up geography, the loop, the north side, the south side, etc. Uh, when you do it by wards, and this is where it gets political, uh, the wards with the greatest growth over the last ten years. Remember, these maps were set, folks, back in t- 2011. Are these downtown wards like the 42nd Ward, uh, which is the, the Gold Coast and the Loop and just the South Loop? Uh, and South Loop, yeah, absolutely. So what's your sense of how they're going to... Do- With one exception, which... Go is- ahead. What is- oh, go ahead. You go- no, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, what's your sense of... I was going to say, with one exception, all the wards that grew, mm-hmm. all the wards that grew like gangbusters, you know, really fit were downtown, just the same thing we've been talking about. With one kind of exception, which is the 47th Ward, uh, Lincoln Square area just uh, was one of the big growers of, of all the. It, it's a. It's, it's had a lot of population growth. A lot of this, it's a desirable place to live, and um, it's it's the only ward that's not, to use the million dollar word, contiguous with the other ones. You know, touch all the ones that are clumped up downtown. Um, there's the 47th ward stands out. But anyway, because but go ahead. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, I got to say, 47th ward is is where I live. Uh, and I, I can tell you right now, it's on the north uh, side of Chicago. Rob, the, I've been living here since 1985, which is a long time. I admit I'm an old guy. But the changes, it just blows my mind what I see uh, in my ward when I go walk around. It just, I can't, like the it's factories downs, are, right? are, well, factories are now uh, breweries, you know, and there's all these hipsters hanging around. And God bless every one of them. I, have, I love them to death. But, um, Yes, the changes. All right, so politically, how are you going to divvy up these wards? Uh, this is a challenge. And they usually bring dem- demographers like you to do this kind of map making. So how do you divvy up this way and set to satisfy all the elected officials? Go ahead. Well, here's a really, really important way to understand redistricting in a city like Chicago. It's, it, it's, it's different than if you were talking in the abstract about how to draw boundaries or if you were talking about, I don't know, Boise, Idaho or something. You have to deal with the following, which is that in the 1980s, federal judges reviewed evidence and ruled that there there was a history and a practice of suppressing minority votes. Okay, you got to from that fact flows very important uh, consequences, which are the following: that if you can create uh, minority majority wards in Chicago, you have to. If you don't create them, you will be sued by somebody who will have those precedents to, to lean, lean on. So what that means is that a ward uh, districting in Chicago, it's not just a mathematical, do we draw squares or do we draw rectangles? Or do, we, do we just you know, stay within rivers? It's, it, it's not like that. It's how do we um, come up with uh, as many Latino and African-American and maybe someday Asian awards as, as possible. Uh, so that makes it a lot more complicated. Um, you know, um, the Latino population is about a third of the city now. A, a third of 50 aldermen would be uh, 16 aldermen, which is more, that's more than there, there are. Uh, but I'm, I'm saying this for the following reason. Um, when you try to hit those goals of, you know, Latino majority wards, black majority wards, you run into some, uh, some complications. So even though the Latino population grew in Chicago, it's dispersed. It's not a concentrated population. So, um, 
when I, let's say I want to draw a Latino ward somewhere and I start drawing a boundary on the map with my pencil. Well, because Latinos are not so segregated, I end up capturing a lot of white people too. So it, it gets hard to draw as many Latino districts. With African-Americans, because of, sadly, of the segregation, it is, it is more feasible and easy to draw black majority districts, uh, generally speaking, in Chicago. Having said that, because of the decline in black population, it's harder and harder to draw as many of them as there was 10 years ago. So you're, you're going to be having black wards that don't have 55 or 60 percent majority black. You're going to be having 50 percent majority black or 52 percent. And it raises the question as to whether um, they're winnable in a, in, a, in, a, in a race where people vote uh, based on race. That is very well put. So I don't, I don't know how, I hope I didn't bring us off no, into a tunnel. No, this there, is a very important. You, you got it. That's, that's an important framework for redistricting uh, because, you know, because of the Voting Rights Act, because of the Voting Rights Act, we got to create as many. Uh, but, and so it, one of the things that comes out of all this, Ben, uh, uh, is uh, where, where are the Asians in this? We, Asians are 5% of the city. Now uh, with Asian population, it's not as dispersed as Latino population. There's kind of a north side Asian population and there's Chinatown and related areas. And finally, Chinatown really, um, it has the numbers to have a ward. If you wanted to do it, you could have a majority uh, Asian ward uh, around Chinatown. Uh, we can get into why that's difficult demographically and map wise, or, and you can get into why that's difficult or not uh, politically. Um, so those are some of the big things going on. Is how do we draw these wards? And is it time for the Asian uh, population on the, uh, near, 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 near southwest side, you know, by the, by the loop to get a, get a ward? Well, let's go back to uh, the point you made uh, about majority black wards. And it's a fascinating point. And it's really important if you want to understand politics in Chicago and uh, how wards are drawn. Uh, you're absolutely correct, Rob, when you talk about the, this. Goes, I remember in the early 80s when I first moved to Chicago and those first uh, reapportionment battles uh, the issue, I think it was, they, that was it. they were talking like 60 to 70% of a ward had to be black before the black. That's the rule of yeah. thumb. And so the issue had to do with the fact that white people voted at greater numbers than black people by and large. The black population was younger than the white population by and large. Uh, they were no. Yeah, I'm going to jump in there. It's not, it's not, it's not so much because whites vote more than blacks or Latinos. It's because I put my sociology hat. There are structural reasons why you can't get as many voters out of a black or Latino population as, as you can from a white population. You touched on one of them, uh, youth. A lot of people aren't, aren't uh, 18 yet in black and Latino communities. And in the Latino communities, a lot of people just aren't citizens. So, the, the, so the, that's, those are more important than whether people vote when they are a citizen. And, and also newer to the area itself. So like a, a white person who's lived in a in his or her home for 40 years is more likely to have already been registered, have already had a pattern of voting, whereas a black person who just moved in, like, within the last two years. Yeah. And so these are all the factors that the right. map makers took right. into account when they stipulated a number along the lines of, like, 70% of a ward had to be black before you could guarantee that the black people in that war would have make it yeah, highly would be likely, highly likely yeah. would have a, the decisive called a super majority. Super majority. It's called a super majority. You need six, 65% or 70% to, uh, and, yeah, and I would likely. argue that things have changed in the city of Chicago in part because of the demographic changes that you've already alluded to in terms of wealthier, more higher income people in the city. I would argue 
that many of those calculations are off. And the proof in, in the proof in the pudding is Barack Obama, Tony Preckwinkle, yep. Walter Burnett, Pat Dowell, the last two are all Susan Mendoza. Yeah, these are people, black people who were won by and large because of white votes. And so oh, I, see. I, yeah. I would argue that you could probably, if your goal is to have 18 black aldermen in the city council, you don't need 18 supermajority black wards. You need. You know, I think it's interesting what you're saying. You're right. I think what you need, maybe, maybe what you need is not so much the supermajority. You need good politics. Yeah. You need bridge, bridge crossing uh, candidates. Is that yes. the right word? Uh, border crossing candidates. That's and and actually that may save the day for someone who's who's now oh my gosh I got only fifty one percent of the ward is my community well I, I I'm going to need to get votes from the other side well to um, it probably favors the favors the skilled well and to that point the ward that you mentioned that's outside of the contiguous area of growth the forty seventh ward in the northwest side of Chicago has as its alderman a gentleman named Matt Martin a black man and uh and he's also one of the lefties an Asian man before that yes yeah. but Matt yeah, Martin yeah. is to the left, way left of the previous alderman, Pawar, uh, and uh, he's not in the Democratic Socialist Caucus, right? And, and farther to the left of Gene Schultz, yeah. as far as that goes. Yeah. Keep moving. Uh, that's, so, that's so far back, yeah. uh, and so far to the left. <laughs> so th things have changed. Uh, the calculations are different now in terms, let's go back to Chinatown. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why they don't, well, I, I think I do know why, uh, but uh, that's where the politics gets in the... Oh, I have another reason. Oh, let me, can we throw out a little, the map, map maker's challenge with Chinatown is um, uh, if you decide to aggregate the Chinese folks, the Asian folks, um, it makes it harder to draw majority Latino and black districts because the existing ones borrow from Chinatown to hit their targets. It's it's a funny game. Like, I mean, you know, remember our friend Danny Solis, yes. his favorite alderman. <laughs> Danny Solis was in his last election. Ben was reelected, having lost Pilsen. He did not carry the Pilsen um, precincts. He did not. He was elected by Chinatown. Put him over the top. Um, so um, any so so the, the existing structure nibbles away at Chinatown to um, you know give that last 40 percent of the population to uh, to somebody. Um, and if you, if you, if you circle around Chinatown and aggregate the Asians, other people are going to kind of lose out. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Danny Solis, uh, let's pause for a moment to think about Danny Solis. He is the alderman of the 25th ward, uh, whose greatest contribution to the city of Chicago. I would argue this. I don't know if you could prove this uh, by looking at census tracts, but his greatest co contribution to the city of Chicago is that he wore a wire, uh, uh on behalf of the feds and taped, uh, Ed Burke saying all sorts of nefarious, mean, nasty things that the feds have used to indict Ed Burke. He lost his position as a head of the uh, finance committee. He's given up his property tax uh, appeal business. So I would make the argument that the single greatest hero, politically speaking, in the city of Chicago is one, Danny Solis. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. I just... <laughs> Had wow. to say that. <laughs> I would make that. Up. He's a reformer. He set the dominoes falling, right? Wow. Uh, yes, he set the. Of course, I'll just remind people. So he was an he was an example. Danny Felice's ward, and I think I think Byron Sigcho's current ward. It's the same ward. Yeah, of course, this is true. Is the same thing. It really reaches into Chinatown. 
Uh, and the question is whether you want to keep that configuration or not. Uh, that, that ward was also funny in some other ways. It dipped into the University of Illinois area and picked up a lot of affluent voters on the on, on route. And and uh, by the way, those voters so. in the Tri-Tail area, they voted for Danny uh, Solis, too. I followed those elections. And Danny Solis, uh, and this is what makes it so bizarre, uh, Rob. This is what makes it, uh, politics in Chicago so twisted. Danny Solis, as his name suggests, is uh, Latino. He, I think he was actually born in Mexico. He came to Chicago at a very early age, raised in Chicago. Uh, so he's very Chicagoan, and uh, and yet he's a member of the Latino Caucus. And so when Latino aldermen in the city of Chicago talk about Latino wards, they're really talking about Latino aldermen. And so he would be indication that this is Latino empowerment, when in fact almost the majority of the Latinos in the 25th Ward did not vote for Danny Solis. They voted for whoever is running against him, and he won by virtue of the votes of non-Latinos. Not in the last election. Yes. So I just would like yeah. to point yeah. that out, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, that everything's twisted in the city of Chicago. Uh, I don't know if you can prove that. Uh, There's your irony. Yes. Uh, very much irony. What, uh, so what is the impact on the far uh, south and west side wards with these changes that we've seen happening where black people have traditionally lived? Uh, and you say these are areas which have had the experience the the most loss. What do you think are the demographic trends going on there? Is Yeah. Well, the black population loss isn't so much far south and far southwest. It's it's the Englewoods, uh, you know, Greater Grand Crossing. I don't know if you consider Greater Grand Crossing far south. Uh, I, I tend to think of Roseland or something like that. As far, um, well, well, you've got you've got black population decline there, and you've got some movement as I described. The movement is west, but along with declining numbers. So. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that I know exactly what that's going to do. Maybe more significantly, uh, because the numbers are bigger, that's why I say that, is uh, the movement of Latinos into the southwest side. Um, the, the growth in um, West Lawn of Latinos and uh, Gar Garfield Ridge and areas like that. Um, Alderman Burke's ward is super majority Latino. There you go. There's another example. Uh, uh, super majority Latino. Um, Michael Madigan's former, now represented by a Latino elected official, uh, supermajority Latino. Uh, that's all just getting stronger because that's that's the movement. Now that that same movement of of, of the West Side Latino population, Southwest, means that well, it, tied to that is depopulation of Latinos in uh, in Hills uh, 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 and and Little Village, where population declines of Latinos. So that's kind of that's kind of what's going on there. Well, the last time we were on the show, we talked about this. Uh, you were talking about the impact. I remember this that uh, Donald Trump's uh, immigration policies uh, were having on the population in Chicago. Do you have a sense that that's part of the reason? Oh, the, you know, the impact is on the census. It's on how many people wouldn't be counted. And um, so we, you know, we're happy in Chicago that we had growth in, in the city's population and the Latinos. But, um, you know, there's some indications that a lot of uh, Latinos really did not answer the census. Um, uh, you know, if you look at the city of Aurora, it, well, it, uh, it's, its population fell by um, 15,000, 16,000 people. Uh, very unexpected. A lot of it from uh, Latino population decline, along with some other things. And is that real decline or was that just people saying, you know, look, you, Mr. President is saying they're going to take my census records and use it for immigration enforcement. And yet you're asking me to give my address and the name of everyone who lives here who's not a citizen. There was suppression of, of the census responses. 
Um, now, that probably su suppressed the Latino census responses in Texas as well as Illinois. So it wasn't like Illinois was hurt worse by that. But um, undoubtedly, the Latino population is bigger in Illinois than, than what we uh, see from the numbers. And, uh, and actually, African-American population, too, because we were rolling out a census in the middle of the pandemic. There was, there was very little door-to-door -door outreach. Uh, I mean, people tried. The state of Illinois tried very hard um, and managed to find who it did. But So we'll close by seeing some predictions and projections from Rob. He hates making them, but so I'll force him to do it anyway. Uh, so having looked at these numbers uh, of the census of 2020, what's your expectation yeah. or how it'll impact the 2023... 10 years from well, now? Well, no, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm not that far. The oh. mayoral election. I go census. You go election, election. I go census to census. I have a longer time period. I'll tell you, the, the next 10 years is what I'll tell you. I, I don't know how elections are going to turn out, but uh, Chicago will become a more um, um, uh, more have more disparity. We'll continue to have a, a growing wealthy population downtown. I don't think that the pandemic has convinced everybody that they want to live in Elk Grove Village instead of living downtown uh, to work. Uh, who works in white collar jobs? Uh, so I think that's going to grow. Um, I, I don't see any signs of a, a, a turnaround of a black population loss, uh, although it's slowed down a lot. I think Chicago is going to kind of muddle along. Um, we will look 10 years from now uh, with more disparity, with a more affluence downtown, but in the aggregate, probably still like the same city we are. Well, I'll th uh, percentage wise. I'll throw one uh, curveball at you, and I have no idea if this is going to come true. I've heard this, people have been telling me about this for a while. Uh, and climate change, Ben, they always say climate change is going to cause a shift. Global warming. Global is warming. True. Hurricanes in the South. We Louisiana was battered again. Until that New York Times article came along about the <laughs> Chicago River flooding, we thought we were golden, <laughs> and that kind of ruined it. Oh my God! Yeah, I'm talking about the New York Times finally publishes yeah. this article that says Chicago is going to get, you know, it's you know what in a yeah. sling from, and it was like, oh <laughs> man, the one thing we thought we were untouchable about. Yeah, no. By, by the way, we took a the deep dive on that one for a couple shows. If anybody wants to check it out, listen to the Mike Novak show. We really took the deep dive on that one. But um, I, I listen. Yes, uh, the the that gave me pause. The Great Lakes, how we're uh, like destroying our Great Lakes. Uh, but then I'm telling you the the news of the last couple of weeks between the fires in California and the hurricanes that have battered the East coast and the Ida, uh, in Louisiana. Yeah, it's a shift. It's a, I, I keep thinking about these people saying, it's you a know, we're, and it's, and the weather here is beautiful. It's gorgeous today. You know, the, the scientists always say, don't go day to day. You got to look at long term. but I'm just saying it's a beautiful day, Rob. So, um, so you think the city is going to, uh, muddle on <laughs> things will be pretty much the same in 2030. Is that your prediction? That's my prediction. Yeah. More people will live in Illinois because of global climate change, but it's very incremental to change very much. And then the big wild card is whatever happens to immigration. But my prediction of immigration is that we are not going to return to high levels. I don't, I don't see it happening. All right. Very unfortunately for Chicago, because we're a city built for immigration. A absolutely. And that's hurt the city. I, I, I really believe that's hurt the city that and the policies more than any other, yeah. more than any other city. Uh, do you think that's true? It's hurt the immigration change. You know, when I, oh, you, 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 
as you do, you cruise around Chicago, you look at the housing stock, you look at the people who have lived here, you think of the generations going back 200 years, 150 years, going back. This city was made to process immigration. That is really a truth about Chicago. The houses right next to each other, the density, it was made a, a place for, to receive newcomers. And that's why uh, the loss of immigration is such a blow to the city. Well, well you know what's so ironic? We'll close here. Uh, I'm not sure there's any uh, leaders in the city of Chicago who would echo what you just said. And, uh, I would talk about civic leaders, corporate leaders, political uh, leaders. That we're not the city built to process immigration. No, that, that a loss of immigration has hurt Chicago. Their goal has, has remained consistent. Move poor people and working people out of the city and move wealthier people in the city and the neighborhoods that that what happens neighborhoods transform yeah, but everyone complains about population decline bill daly ran saying he was going to turn around chicago's population trends uh, and and he represents people that care about downtown as well as anybody else so they uh no they do care about the population numbers i will say this about bill daly's campaign i followed from afar and just shook my head in disbelief because you're absolutely correct he talked about uh the population falling in the city of chicago and his solution to it was to pump more dollars into uh, downtown development the very thing that is accentuating the change you want to continue so i would say it's a case of somebody saying one thing and doing something completely different anyway bill daly came in i believe fourth in the first round and we don't have to think about him as mayor rob i want to thank you very much for taking time to talk to us okay uh, it's always a blast talking thank you ben and uh, thank you nate yes dj nate from with whitney Keep up the good work very good thank you very much uh, that's rob perel i'm ben drafsky all right take care everybody mm-hmm.